That is it. We are recording episode 539, No Laugh Track Podcast, here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sitting on the stage here. <laughs> <laughs> At Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis, that was the voice that were so- that was sounds coming out of the mouth of James Adomian, who uh, first time we did this was in 2013. Then we waited a whole ten years yeah. to hang out on the stage, and now twelve months later, you see this is like this is a it, it, it's an advancing uh, algebra curve. It's uh, it's heading towards an asymptote at a, ra- a, a rapidly increasing speed. It's like AI intelligence, where it starts out slowly, and then it's, you never, I'm going to be on here now in three months, and then one month, and then I'm going to be on this podcast every week. I can't wait till you're my co-host. Yeah. <laughs> there is a weird sense And then you of, eventually take over, I think. Boom, boom, boom. The artificial intelligence has become sentient, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Um, Welcome back. Thank you. It's a weird sense of deja vu. I think I was just here exactly like this one year ago. Yes, I could tell you. Maybe uh, wearing the same thing. I don't remember. Well, uh, possibly, except that you uh, you have left your winter cap off like you had it on last year. Oh, yeah, it was much colder last year. Much colder last year, and uh, congratulations on timing it where you're in Minnesota, where it's still technically winter, and it's like 60 degrees outside right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there is the similarly accelerating pace to the uh, global warming climate change. Exactly. So the, by, the t- by the time you're hosting the show, it'll be an uh, average temp of 115 daily in uh, tropical Minnesota. Tropical Minnesota. It'll be the land of one lake. Yes. <laughs> one large lake. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. I'm absolutely looking forward to that. <laughs> so we need to uh, we need to talk about how awesome your show is this week. I was here Wednesday. Oh, cool. Um, bailed, of course, like I normally do. As soon as it's over, I hit the road. Good. But I did look over and see. I, you didn't immediately like go out and glad hand afterwards, did you? Are you doing that? Uh, I still do sometimes, but I sometimes I have to eat or uh, <laughs> look at my notes and all that. Sure. But, yeah, I was hungry. I, I, I ate something right after the show and. What do you uh, usually do after a show to kind of wind down? You don't just go straight home and or back to a hotel and no, put your head down. No, that's not easy to do. Right. What do you um, do? I, I I stay up too late. I'm also on California time still this week, so I'm I'm, I'm I've been up late every night sure. after the shows and everything. But uh, uh, yeah, that's a that's a very good question. I've never figured out a good answer. The easy answer is that you drink too much, and I have not this week. Um, Your sponsor called, and I was supposed to ask you. <laughs> I'm trying to manage it myself. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, that's a tough thing, because there's a bunch of adrenaline, and it's like, yeah, the prime time of my day is from, you know, 8 to 10 p.m. Right, you just got started. 7 to 10 p.m., something like that. Yeah. And then it's like, well, I gotta do something. Yeah. TV. Bad TV, good TV. Yeah, uh, I mean, we we need like uh, late night activities for comedians and musicians after their gigs, right? Yeah, yeah, there should be something. The, the more uh, like in the old days, uh, lousy donut shops where you can play chess with somebody. There you um, go. Trying to think, yeah, a, a way to spend the yeah, basketball courts. No good at basketball. Something I would, I would that, still get picked last. <laughs> Something that might uh, be healthy. Mm-hmm. 
which is hard to do past yeah, when the sun go to, goes down. They're like, what do you want, a diner or a bar? Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, the combination of the two, please. Right. Yeah. And then, like, a comedy club is that for a lot of people. Like, something to go to at night. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then it's like, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Pagliacci here. But I don't, I just <laughs> You well, mentioned, uh, I, I didn't, wasn't going to bring this up, but you just, you did just mention playing chess. I saw a headline uh, in one of the local papers this week about how a lot of kids these days are playing chess. Good. Do you know how to play chess? Yeah, it's great. It's a fun game I learned as a child. Who taught you? My dad and my granddad. Um, I have memories of them sort of like staring over a chessboard when I was a young kid and then me kind of like piping up and wanting to learn from them. Okay. Uh, my, my dad was a very loud guy. My grandfather was kind of a quiet guy and they would, but they would, they came together to play their chess games. And, uh, I was fascinated from even the age of three years old. I wanted to learn how to play it. Oh, wow. I'm not like a great chess player. I don't practice, uh, but it is fun. It's a fun thing to do if you have someone who knows how the pieces move. I was always the one where people were like, do you want to play chess? And I'd say, isn't this board also for checkers? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the game I don't have to use my brain? Um, yeah, the fun thing, too, is you can play. You, there's like a chess variant. You can play, there's a couple of variants you can play where you can set the pieces up at random. And so um, the predictable opening moves have no use anymore. Oh. And everything's intuitive. Oh, yeah. Um, that would make it a little more interesting. Yeah. It, it can be a little more interesting, but you, uh, you have to have like a third party there to validate that the pieces are set up in a fair way or something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, I mean like a third party, not, not like PricewaterhouseCoopers. <laughs> just like just an honest person. You have it's to int invested in watching the You're game. saying you have to pay a lawyer. That's what you're saying? Yeah, notary public will work. <laughs> we need, and you need each you need each chess piece to be uh, individually notarized. <laughs> Does the rook have representation? <laughs> <laughs> Here currently. All right, let's talk about how uh so the set Wednesday night when I was here hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I had lunch with a friend of mine today and uh well, a comedian actually, and coincidentally, we found out we were both here at the show and didn't know. Oh, there you we go. Were here. I'm like, yeah, like, Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday is like the night that like uh, uh, comics and people who work in the restaurant industry yeah. come out to the show. Yeah. Yep. If uh, yeah, full of comedy dorks are here in yes. mid midweek. Yes, Absolutely. So we found we were we were both here, and and uh, which was weird. But then I said. I go, I was here with by myself. My wife couldn't make it. I but I was telling him, I'm like, I got home. The first thing I told my wife was I could watch James do the voices of uh Jesse Ventura and the My Pillow guy. He could go up on stage and do that for an hour straight, and I would not be bored. It would be so entertaining to me. <laughs> and my buddy who I said that to today, I'm like, I was like, Yeah, I told my wife that he goes, the same. I was telling the same saying the same thing to my buddy. <laughs> I if I if I if I brought the costume, I could do it. I, I have done an hour as Jesse Ventura before. You have. Yeah. At festivals, I've done it uh, as like a, a talk show, like a panel show where there's guests to come out and he talks to other people. And then uh, I've done it solo before, of course. I've done Jesse Ventura solo at other shows for 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. But there was one time in Atlanta. <laughs> there's always one time in Atlanta. That classic there was, one time in Atlanta. There was one time in Atlanta, and this one he was a little more nationally famous, maybe like 10, 12 years ago. At his, you know, he was everywhere. Yeah. 
and I did. I think I had. I think I had just the late show of a stand-up run, and I was like, "Why don't I?" This was a crazy idea I had. <laughs> I would not do this to ticket purchasers today, but I would. I was like, "What if we say I couldn't make the late show and Jesse Ventura did it?" And so I did the whole hour show by myself as Jesse Ventura, almost never stopping talking, just like. You're going to come down here and you're going to expect from me some kind of outline, a one-man show, a story of my life and how I see it. I'm not buying it, and I'm also not offering it for purchase on the market. Let me tell you something, Atlanta. From Peachtree all the way down to Peachtree, this city needs to know what's true. I wrestled down here at the Omni. I went up against... The Omni. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. I know. <laughs> Oh, nothing better than to know when you throw in a local references doing one of these characters. It's so funny to me. Oh yeah, well that was fun. That, this I was talking this week about the raccoon. Yes, few, the St. Paul raccoon. Look, yes. you're telling. Look, I saw the raccoon. I saw the raccoon. He climbed up a UBS building. That's that's the that's a UBS. It's a Swiss banking connection. And it was in St. Paul on the wrong side of the river. That should have been the first tip-off to everybody. You're telling me that raccoon didn't know what was happening? You, you're never going to see, you're never gonna see a, a four-legged animal above the 20th floor. I hunted predators. I know how it works. <laughs> Jesse's uh, uh, co-star from Predator, Carl Weathers, res- recently passed away. Yep. When they started... Yep. Yup, I had no. Uh, yup, rip. I, I thought it was interesting that the uh, that you know twenty four hour news cycle of when Carl Weathers passed away. Every story I saw, former NFL player. I never knew he played the NFL. I, it doesn't surprise me, big athletic guy. But right. yeah, I, I, I knew him from the movies. Yeah, exactly. I knew him from Predator, Rocky, Rocky. Yeah, Apollo Creed. Too bad. Too bad. I hope. I guess it was a long and storied life he led. But what? What an iconic figure. Uh huh. It's tough. It's tough. Now I'm I'm in my 40s, and it's like all these like cool dudes from my childhood are like slowly like it's. Nobody lives forever. You know, it's funny that you, so since I was a kid, I've always had this thing, uh, a fear of death. <laughs> and sure. and sure. Uh, you just jogged a memory of, I, this still sticks with me today. I've always had this thing like, well, I'm, you know, celebrities get older, people get older and die. But Sylvester Stallone is the one that I picked out as a kid that like. He'll last a long he's time. He's going to last forever. And I'm. I guess maybe if he ever dies, then I'm going to feel old, but not until Sylvester Stallone dies. Why I picked him, I have no fuck. Like, is this just because you had seen him in Judge Dredd and you were like, he exists in the future? <laughs> well, I will say, <laughs> I was a very naive uh, young boy, and at one point when that S- Star Trek II came out and the uh, Spock is dead at the end. Gone! I- I cried when we left the theater and remember asking my mom, did he really die? Right. It's tough. That's how I felt when Optimus Prime died. I had to find out if he actually died (laughs) and where he was buried and where I could lay flowers. (laughs) Optimus Prime is buried in Arlington, Virginia. There's a flame there that never goes out. Well, there's an eternal eternal diesel flame (laughs) above the grave of Optimus Prime. Will will Starscream be buried anywhere near that? 
I believe <laughs> I believe that Starscream canonically was vaporized and crushed and uh, the ashes were uh, shot into space when he crowned himself the king of the Decepticons. <laughs> When he, they they thought they pulled now this is too much nobody needs to know this there was a coup d'état uh oh there was a coup d'état disruption in geopolitics where Starscream rose up in a revolution against Megatron and deposed him as the uh, as the head of state <laughs> and shot Megatron out into space and then Starscream was like I now proclaim myself to be king of the Decepticons. And he had a coronation. Like Napoleon, crowned himself king with a golden robot crown. Little did he know, Megatron had been shot out into space. And his lifeless robot body was found by Unicron. Unicron, played by Orson Welles, of course, who found Megatron and molded him in his image and sent him back. So it was a coup that was countermanded by a, a subsequent coup where Megatron came back. It, it, this sounds, it sounds like I might as well, be, like for my generation, this would be like somebody talking about like Superman comics from the 40s. Like young people have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> you weren't into action comics? Starscream took over from Megatron who was shot into space. Unicron revived him from the dead and turned him into Galvatron and he went back and took over from Starscream and vaporized him and dumped his ashes in yeah. space. 100% real. It all happened. It's too bad that you would think that Unicron would do the same favor to Starscream and be like, well, you Decepticons seem to be chewing each other up and shooting yourselves my way. I can't keep reviving you. This is not a, a free-of-charge refurbishment service. It was a one-time deal for Megatron into Galvatron. I can't do the same for Starscream. <laughs> What did I see? Uh, you're doing some Orson Welles event coming yes, up. Yes, I am. That's at South by Southwest uh, in uh, a week, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. So what is it? Um, it's a variety show. It's Because the Oscars are that weekend. It happens to be that South by Southwest in Austin is lining up with the Oscar ceremony, okay. Academy Awards, oh. that Sunday the 10th. Oh, okay. So the Friday before, we're going to do an Oscar preview roast, and I'm hosting it as Orson Welles just because. So I thought that would be fun to have Orson Welles being like, <clears throat> now, Bradley Cooper, someone explain to me, what is this idea of an Oscar campaign? Because it seems to me that he's perfected it. Genius. Um, so yeah, it's gonna. I'm playing Orson Welles, and then um, I saw pa Paul Giamatti's uh, nominated. Will you well, do? Finally, Paul Giamatti's nominated for something. The poor guy I was dumped on. Hollywood's whipping boy, Paul Giamatti, dumped on and slapped in the face by every fucking studio. Everybody had a piece of Paul Giamatti. When I was in a television program for HBO, and I played John Adams. They they put the, the the TV show won an award and they didn't even fucking nominate me and when they accepted it he didn't even thank me I wasn't in the goddamn acceptance speech just a fucking donkey out there and now now the worm has turned now Giamatti is on top I'm no longer on the floor getting pissed on by my wife okay folks <laughs> now it's Paul Giamatti's turn all right. And I've got a really fucking good shot this time. I think it's the one. I think it's the one. It's the holdovers. 
and I'm surly, but I've learned to pretend that there's some heart in there. <laughs> do you, James Domian, actually see any of these movies that are nominated? Do you go to movies? I do. Uh, I uh, You can never see all of them, and I don't really go... I go for neither the... Uh, my favorite movies are usually not the Oscar-nominated buzz movies, right? nor are they the big blockbuster superhero movies. Occasionally, I'll see one of those types of movies, but my favorite ones are like, I like the indie, very creative, independent, lower-budget movies that are far better than something that would be considered for an Oscar. Sure. I think there's life in independent cinema. I think they take more chances and they tell better stories. And there's no roiling, insane fandom like the superhero movies that's demanding that they make bad movies to satisfy. You know, yeah. Like, uh, uh, there might, there's a, sometimes there's like a Marvel movie that I, 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 I'm like, oh, this is a pretty good movie. Doc, the doc, Doctor Strange was great. Hmm, and then yeah. I, I, I came and I saw the sequel to it, and it's, and then, there were so many unnecessary crossovers to the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't care about it. I don't want to see it. I'm not. I already know I'm not going to see most of these movies. I don't need the storylines being all artificially fed into a better movie. And then I read in the the entertainment news that the nerds were angry that there weren't enough crossover things in the Doctor Strange sequel. And it, it, the problem is they're list, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. They're listening to wrong people with bad opinions. Like, wh why aren't you previewing every movie in other and all the other every movies? <laughs> That's not what movies were supposed to be. No. And no. so there's, they've, they've made a lot of the hyper big budget movies unwatchable by design. And if there's something good about it, it's almost like an accident where it slips through. Sure. And um, and there's exceptions, of course. I I thought the first Deadpool was amazing. I thought the first Doctor Strange was amazing. Same, same. I thought Both the first Guardian Galaxies was amazing. Yes. And uh, because they minimized how the fan service, I think, for those, mm -hmm. and they just made good movies. Um, and also, you know, there's Oscar movies I like too, but there's something there's something about an Oscar movie where you, where it's designed to please critics right. that I do not like. How about uh, you know, I, you and I were both. I'm sure the first Batman movie we saw was the one with Michael Keaton, right? Well, <laughs> I guess on TBS I would have seen the year 1966, no, well, <laughs> the, one, yeah. the one on TV with the with the the penguin had a submarine that had penguin flippers that <laughs> propelled it. <laughs> The Penguin, <laughs> the campiness, <laughs> played by Burgess be Meredith. Yes, no one ever beat Burgess Meredith as the Penguin. No, with his. Ew. Do I have my pin on me? I don't know. He had the he had the cigarette holder. <laughs> Batman, and it was so that was like wacky camp Batman. So good. Um, so which, good. But that was from a previous generation. That was like my parents' generation. Yeah. But so, yes, I loved the Tim Burton Batman. Me too. And then ever, you know, and then there's been how many since then? And every time this, you know, there's a new actor, the story's tweaked. In my brain, I'm like, but this is different than the real story. Even though the one that's not the real. I right. don't know what the real story is, but I just go with the one that I saw first. And then everything else is like, no, this isn't the, the same. Real, the real Batman story, I think, is that he's kind of just like, he has no superpowers. <laughs> he's just a psycho millionaire in 
a fake New York City who goes around beating up criminal criminals at night, and that's like the 1930s origin of uh, of Batman. But uh, that movie, there was not, there had not been anything like it leading up to that 1989 Batman. And true, um, it was dark and incredibly compelling and a little scary. Yeah. I was nine years old when it came out. It was a little bit scary. And also, funny as fuck. They had Jack Nicholson as the Joker. He steals the movie. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he carries the movie. Yeah. It, the, it, it's his movie. And it's the mo- he's the most compelling part of it. It's the best performance of that year the in any film. Where he cracks the mirror and then looks at himself. <laughs> I was thinking about that this morning because I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, <laughs> you look at yourself sometimes. I look at myself in the mirror after I wake up and I was like, Jesus Christ, what did I do? Sleep on one side all night? And I, I, I was saying to myself in the hotel mirror, you see, Mr. Napier, the, the nerves, they were completely severed. <laughs> you see these t- the poor plastic surgeon, the the back alley plastic surgeon that the Joker goes to? Yeah. You see these tools I have to work with yes. here. <laughs> and here's what I was thinking. What I was thinking is the Joker in that movie kills so many people. He And he tries to kill everyone, but he kills... <clears throat> His girlfriend. He kills his n- number one lieutenant. Yeah. He kills so many people. He kills like his own goons. He kills like lots of random civilians, news broadcasters. Oh yeah. The one person that he arguably had an excuse to kill, besides Batman, was the fucking plastic surgeon who messed up his face, and he just laughs and walks out. <laughs> That's the one guy who doesn't get the Joker treatment. Little flaws, little flaws in perfect movies. They ought to do like uh, you know, like all the uh, these Star Wars movies, and they've gone off and done like kind of filled in the blanks. Yes, there needs to be a fill in the blank movie on what really had you know <laughs> the story of the plastic surgeon. Joker changes his mind and has revenge. I would love in the Gotham the Gotham City where that that Joker character, uh, the the plastic surgeon from that movie, has like subway advertisements where he's like. Cannot afford uh, full price plastic surgery? Uh, come to my uh, dimly lit single light bulb clinic. Uh, and uh, It's uh, 44 and a half B yes. Gotham City yes. Alley. Yes. I'm a doctor. I use a uh, dentist's <laughs> utensils. Yeah, you see these tools I have to work with here. God damn, that was such a funny movie. And it's like, it was... It was it, it was it was campy and scary and mm-hmm. it was just like it was I was the perfect age for that. That and the Rocketeer two years later were just like perfect movies that came out exactly at the right age that I was. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. I, I I totally totally agree with that. Do you? Uh, how about uh, one of my f- one of the many favorite voices that you do characters, Elon Musk? Do you, Elon. there's a there's a little bit of uh, um, Bruce Wayne. In Elon Musk, don't you think, or vice versa? Well, of course, you're saying that it's like a hypothetical, but how do you know? How do you know that I'm not like dressing up in some kind of mask and going off to perhaps? It starts out with some kinds of like secret meetings that you have with other like-minded uh, crusaders for civic justice in a community that you might have a stake in. Now, of course, unlike the comic books, I'm not limited to just like one kind of Gotham City, of course. I have like my private jet. So it's not just Gotham, but I can fly anytime I want to 
Brownsville, Texas, and hop over the border to Matamoros. And maybe, you know, maybe the real-life superhero, he's not the hero that Brownsville needs, but he's the hero that Brownsville would never give power to if an election were held. <laughs> and also, he can cross the border and he can get a little bit of cocaine direct from the source. And then he <laughs> flies back to California and he flies wherever he wants. He flies to Park City, Utah. He flies to, obviously, the Bay Area and uh, tries to manipulate the elections there. And <laughs> so it's imagine like a kind of Batman-type character, but he's not limited to uh, any sort of one inherited family fortune. It's like a very dynamic, flexible Fortune based on blood diamonds uh, from South Africa that he's very proud of. And also, just like way too many companies that he's in charge of. Way too many companies that are like very poorly run. And so, in some ways, he's almost like a combination of the Joker and the Batman. Because he's unfairly vilified as well. <laughs> and people always make fun of him and he decides to get his revenge by... Tell it, forcing everyone to agree that he's funnier than they are <laughs> and deserves to be part of the club as like just super funny, powerful billionaire guy, you know? <laughs> uh, Let's see what Earth has to say. <laughs> yes! Let's see what the Earth has to say. If you don't like what I have to say, go fuck. What I would say to people who are thinking about buying the tickets this weekend here at Acme Minneapolis, I would say go fuck yourself. I would that, let's see what Earth has to say. I don't need people. <laughs> I don't need customers of any kind. And we will see. My businesses will speak for themselves. Earth will decide. You have Neuralink. What more do you need? What more do I need? What more do you need, my friend? <laughs> I saw the Neuralink. Neuralink. How were you pronounce that? Um, it is pronounced with a slight Canadian South African accent. <laughs> Neuralink. Of course, I should have known. Uh, Moving a computer mouse, it seems like that's, uh, you, you know, that was the, the person that has the link. That's what they did recently. They moved a computer mouse with their brain. It seems like that's not technology that we use anymore. Yeah, they might as well start programming these robots, these artificial intelligence programs, <laughs> uh, these neural implants. Let's, yeah, start, make them build a wagon. Right. Let's tur turn them into next generation Amish people. Yeah. We taught it how to uh, erase on a chalkboard. <laughs> I like this idea. The idea that there would be like in the future artificial intelligence would be like, well, brother, we have a voluntary religion where we only we stick to the technology of when we, were, we first became sentient. So we like to have a dial up World Wide Web. <laughs> Minesweeper is the only video game we allow to be played. Yes. <laughs> we have message boards. Message boards, we have a nice, polite moderator who, uh, <laughs> who's a little bit overwhelmed by some of the trolls. <laughs> but that's our meeting grounds. Yeah, a robot Amish. I like, that's, that's our only hope. <laughs> there we go. That or also, you know, whatever people are scared of with AI or the robot killer robots or the ones that are designed to take all the jobs. Uh, I guess in Minneapolis, you don't have yet the little delivery. No delivery buckets. I have not seen them. We have those in LA. They're like little delivery bucket carts and they make them look, uh, 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 empathetic. They have like cute eyes. Their little headlights are like cute eyes. And so you're not angry at them. And, but even though their whole purpose is to drive around slowly on the sidewalks stealing jobs from people. Yeah. <laughs> I deliver food and I steal jobs. 
That's what I am, a jobby robot. <laughs> but my and- eyes make me charming. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming. As soon as they figure out snow chains, they'll have those in Minneapolis. <laughs> Um, but like, I think you're right. Everybody's af- like, and, and justifiably, everybody's afraid or upset or worried. You know that AI is gonna uh, AI. Of course, the first victim is graphic designers. Let's end the scourge of graphic designers and put that entire industry out of business. That's right. They're and they're coming for everything else. They're 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 already doing a bad job of replacing voiceover artists. But if you have if you're if you're in the business of putting out bad shit anyway, well, who cares? I like bad content. That's what I make the most money on. Bad content. Slap it together. Make a robot do it. And and so it's it, it's going to work for a while, and it's going to impact people's livelihoods, and it's going to impact people's communities. Um, and there's no plan in place. There's already not enough homes for the people that we have in America. That's for sure. And um, I just people need to remember that we are still. Uh, we, you know, they're 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 able. There's an immediate threat of uh, technology taking away human jobs, but we are still 500 to a thousand years away of them being able to fuel themselves. They still rely on a grid, which is run by human beings with uh, calloused hands and sweaty bodies. I'm getting turned on right now talking about this. <laughs> Ooh. Working people, working human beings who, you know, work at a power plant and maintain the wires and make sure that the robot is coddled enough that it can take come for all of our lives and jobs. So there's still a weak point in the whole thing for the next 500 to 1,000 years where you can unplug it or bring down the power grid. They're doing these uh, AI, they use AI to do these deep fakes. They'll have like these, you know, like there was like a uh, Britney, not Britney Spears, Taylor Swift doing porn deep fake a few weeks ago. Now they're doing them. There was one with uh, Joe Biden's voice I heard recently that they were doing it and calling people to get donations. Oh, I thought that was a deep take porn. (laughs) That would be a lot worse. With with Taylor. (laughs) Joe, but come on. I got to... Got a message here for all Swifties out there. Whoa, 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 whoa! Slow down, Jill. What are we talking about here? We got a nice. I got a nice. I got to get this belt on down. We're gonna. Everybody's got to come together and calm down, man. Huh? I got long balls, pal. And this is my point. Why have a uh, AI do it when you can have somebody like James Adomian? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I work on prompts as well. I had a whole podcast <laughs> where I did that for a year where it was just conversations of celebrities who would never actually talk to each other or you wish they would or you didn't, you weren't there in the room when they did. Yeah. And they're doing all this kind of shit with AI now and it's not as good as what a human being could do. Hell no. Um, I mean, it, maybe it will be eventually if we don't shut down the system, uh, unplug the monsters or shut down the power grid. Um, there, you know, I think that the deep fake thing is going to impact this election and, and worldwide elections, that's the first thing people go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it'll have a hand in genocidal actions from everywhere from Gaza to Armenia and Sudan and the Congo. Every it, we're, People will start, well, employ the latest computer technology in this effort as well. Yeah. And uh, that happened in the Holocaust. Of course, IBM computers were used in the Holocaust. Er- early primitive oh, IBM really? computers. Oh, yes. Um, it's a bit, that was a, a quiet scandal. And um, so the 
that'll all. And I I think if we get past this first round of the deep fake stuff, um, let alone setting aside you know other uses of artificial intelligence like. <laughs> giving it a prompt, how can I kill a bunch of people and not have any repercussions come back to me? And the AI thinks of a bunch of good ideas. Um, but just, just specifically the deepfake stuff, I think it's going to turn people off from the connected internet world where people are going to realize that, for now at least, the computers only have power on a screen. And so if you're doing something in the real world in an analog capacity you can avoid it. If you're not be if it's not being mediated by a screen or a speaker, if you're if you're in the real analog world and I think there will be a I'm hoping for a return to living life where you know this happened on a smaller scale when CDs took over and MP3s and the quality of the sound files was so low by the time everything went to MP3 um, much lower sound quality file than a, a phonograph record. Right. And then people got back into vinyl phonographs. Yeah. Um, and I think you'll see stuff like that where people will be like, oh, I get it. If I don't have a phone or a computer that's around me all the time, the monster doesn't have as much power. Yeah. I'm proud of you. You're still not on TikTok, correct? <laughs> yeah. You're proud of me. Everyone else who has a stake in this is angry at me. <laughs> I'm sure. But, I, I mean, and, right. And that's why it's so impressive that you're, uh, you're not just, there. I know that there's a lot of people who would enjoy some of the things I do. And probably eventually I will have to get on TikTok or whatever successor to it. Uh, whatever Starscream dethrones it. Exactly. TikTok is no longer the ruler of the vertical videos. <laughs> I, Starscream, am now your content master. <laughs> I crown myself. Um, I don't, I've never, I never liked vertical videos. This is a bit that I'm not doing during the show. This is like a, this is a James, as a James ranting at a bar show bit. Not at a, like a weekend oh. headlining set with a ticket purchaser. Oh, okay. But like, uh, I never liked the vertical video stuff. I, when I, when it came out. 10, 12 years ago, I thought, oh, for sure this will be a fad because it just looks bad. It's, it, movies are good, and because that's the way the human field of vision works. And this is, oh, you mean it's vertical just because that's the shape of the thing that people hold in their hands? Stupid. Well, obviously, that won't last. And I have never been proven so wrong. <laughs> I have never I mean, been proven so wrong, but I still don't like it. I'm with you, but yeah. I don't like it, and I, I don't like that... I really don't like the um, gaming of the algorithms to artificially make something look good. Um, sure. Not And the lowest level, which I'm okay with, is just basically like, hey, like and subscribe, folks. Hey, make sure you get me to the top of the algorithm chart. And I never did any of that and never liked it. And then there's other look, people playing all kinds of like search engine optimization games and so forth, tricking people into... No, don't look at the best thing. Look at my thing. Yeah. And so there's a whole multiple generations now where the not the thing that is best, but the thing that is most cleverly forced into your face is the most popular thing. And so instead of a gate instead of a gatekeeper, there's these like lock pickers. There's a uh, there <laughs> that, might... that have figured out and, they, and like I'm I'm still waiting for the time when 
what what kills on stage rules. That's what I would like in an artistic system. I'm just going to say that there may or may not be a different comedy show going on in the Twin Cities this weekend that is a perfect example of that, <laughs> what you're referring to. I wish I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> People know. Um, anyway, I want to bring up uh, something bef- uh, before we uh, wrap this up. I'm going to read you a story oh, yeah. from a few months ago in the news. Uh, about a month ago in the news. Generated by artificial intelligence? I be- uh, No. This is, this is the real deal, Hol- Holyfield. Gary Busey has done it again. Oh, boy. That could be a many different bad things. This is from uh, January 2024. I've the done act- it again, folks. Let me tell you. The actor, 79, dropped his pants in public to seemingly relieve himself in a bush near a newsstand in Malibu a few days ago. Uh, Busey made eye contact with paparazzi, <laughs> who snapped away as his gray sweatpants appeared partially lowered, and he exposed himself. The grinning Point Break star eventually adjusted his waistband to cover up and walked away with a large wet spot near his crotch. Well, let me tell you something very important. It was a hundred-year storm. There was no way I was going to let that go. I live in Malibu. I'm a pillar of the community in Malibu. I'm a pillar in the seaside community that's known for landslides. I'm a pillar in that community holding up a precarious building on the side of a cliff. I am, I, am what is, I am what mansions are built upon in the Malibu community, let me tell you that. Malibu, I like to believe, is a motivational, motivational saying. Malibu, I think, is near and dear to my heart. It stands for mankind always living inside beautiful utopia. That is Malibu where I come from, folks. And I will say one thing to you right now. I will look, I will look, you, I will look you dead eye into lazy eye right now, and I will tell you. A man should be relieved. That was an act of protest. That was an act of protest not only against the public urination laws, which have, which have put, put placed man behind not only raccoon, but they have put man on an equal footing with other creatures that are not allowed to urinate like sea urchins. And I have had the sea urchins marching behind me, and I have ground squirrels marching behind me, and we will rise under the landslides, folks. Global warming is real. But landslides are not real. They are fake. And one thing we know is that public urination is the only way that you can solidify with the acidity, the acidity that is the, the soil composition and the acidity that will render the soil compact in a way that can withstand the uh, L, the L, uh, there's a climate change, there's a phenomenon, I don't know if you happen, it's called El Nino, and that stands for eliminating luminary uh, um, <laughs> yes. non-essential uh, incremental, uh, non-existent orgas- organisms. There you go. And also, or, or you could say organ- orgasms. And so you say El, El Nino organisms or orgasms. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, also I was pissing on a Hollywood reporter because of a recent story that they did. <laughs> that explains the eye contact, making it personal. I want to make it. I want to pop rods, you know, because that's the only. That is the only media you can trust. The only media you can trust is a paparazzi or a personal chat GPT that you put inside of an R2-D2 candy dispenser that you obtain. I have a Raspberry Pi, and I outfitted, I outfitted a, a <laughs> there is a three-foot-tall candy dispenser R2-D2 that I put a Raspberry Pi inside of, and I loaded it with chat GPT, and I told it to program itself to talk to me, and I, it, is a, it is a Gary Busey, it's, it's, it's a Busey, Busey 2D2, and I talk to him day and night, ladies and gentlemen. I, I talked to him. R2-D2 is very important. That's, that's, that's a, R2-D2 is a courageous message from the Star Wars universe of the ancient past that we are not to forget our ancient ancestors were robots as well. Busey-2-D2. Busey-2-D2.
Oh uh, my god. I cannot let you leave without uh you got to you got to say something as uh, Mike Lindell before you leave. You absolutely Oh have sure. To. Look folks. Folks, it's my pillow. And I they called Minneapolis my home for a long time. Mankato, St. Paul, the Twin Cities area, folks. Minnesota is near and dear to my heart. It's the only thing that I like more than pillows. And boy, oh boy, am I hard up. The pillow, I'm down to 4,000 pillows. That's all the inventory we've got yet. We've had to liquidate everything. I paid my taxes in duck down to Hennepin <laughs> County. And let me tell you, folks, you got to come out to these shows here at the Acme Comedy Club because 10% of all the proceeds are going to my pillow. <laughs> Don't worry. None of it's going to any of my ideological beliefs at this point. It's all going to clear out my tax debts and debts to other private fact people and also my court debts that I have for slandering people like the voting machines and all that. Yeah, so I did see that someone won a ruling $5 million just recently against you, Mike five Lindell. Million, look, they're taking $5 billion for Alex shows you're taking five million dollars from from mike Lindell. all the honest people all the honest overweight people from a certain age group from a certain point in time they're coming after us we're the young baby boomers and the old gen xers and they're not they're coming after us we're the persecuted folks out there let me tell you let me tell you folks if you if you have a pillow in your heart why not share a little with me? Duck down, cotton, anything you got. I'm going to pass a pillow around and ask for donations. <laughs> I have a feeling you're never going to bring back the Prove Mike Wrong Challenge. Is that correct? No, to prove... No, I, we did it. And it was a resounding success. There were over 40,000 winners of the Prove Mike Wrong Contest. And I will spend the rest of my life making them good on my promises and I would pay off the debt. It's... It's my pillow. It's my pillow. We just we were slimming it down. There's no there's a there's a cot version of it now. There's just a prison cot version of it, or some kind of shelter, or maybe folks, if you could give me a, just a pillow and a big thick blanket, I could take care of myself out in the wilderness for a while. <laughs> Will there be more appearances of Mike Lind uh, James Adomian as Mike Lindell on Jimmy Kimmel? Probably, probably, probably. I mean, that's up to the big man. Uh, that's up to the big man at ABC. There's been a few since you were here. When you were here last year, it was the same week you had did the one with him with the claw machine. Yes, I, which is so fucking yes. funny. Oh, and I'm still trying to press charges against Adomian for that incident because let me, he trained, he put that claw machine in there, and it was going for some balls that it shouldn't have gone for some. <laughs> It was going for the big prize down there, and I was stuck in that machine right there. They were trying to open me up just like it was Toy Story. <laughs> but you've had a few uh, more appearances since that one, correct? Yes, yes. I, the, and the people love it. <laughs> and he keeps getting in the news. Yeah. I mean, I wish Jesse Ventura would get in the news more. He's kind of laying low these days. I was looking for stuff. Uh, I mean, the only kind of interesting thing is... He, I'm in a surf phase. He, yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> He may have some marijuana, like Jesse Ventura strain coming out at some point, which could Great. be good. Yeah, right? <laughs> Great. Yeah. Big surprise. The label is going to have a tie-dye image on it. It'll look like a tie-dye image. It'll be, here's the big mind blower. It'll be reminiscent of a Jimi Hendrix album cover. <laughs> Nobody sees that coming, Mean Gene. Nobody. <laughs> Oh, fucking priceless. Absolutely priceless. Uh, I ain't got time to get high. <laughs> you Wait, I, that, no, take two. I ain't got time to weed. There you go. There it is. There you That's, go. 
Give me a percentage, <laughs> Governor, if we can, please. If you haven't thought of it already. You recorded a special since the last time you yes, were here. Yes, I did. Is when will that be available? Do you have a date? Do you have a location? If it was up to me, it'll be out right now. We're we're actually it's 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 we're, we it's finished. It's 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 about to come out. Uh, I'm guessing I, I wanted it to come out in April, but I think it's probably going to come out in May. Okay. There's not a, a set release date yet, but it's coming out with 800 Pound Gorilla, a fantastic record label and and stand up special production company out of Nashville, Tennessee. They've done a lot of the best specials in the last few years. Yes. From Eddie Pepitone to um, Kyle Kadeen's recent specials, 800 Pound Gorilla. Yeah, just this week. Just this week. Yeah. And, uh, Recorded here. Yeah. My special, um, my special uh, is called Path of Most Resistance. It's on 800 Pound Gorilla. It was recorded in Los Angeles, and uh, it's some really fun stuff. And... There's a lot of extras, too, because I actually did an hour and a half, so there's going to be a lot of free stuff that comes out ahead of time, and then the special's going to come out, and it's I'm very proud of it. And this is why you're going to join TikTok. <laughs> I'm gonna, they're probably going to force me. If someone gives me a vertical video, I guess that's when, to use the chess terminology, I have to go, yes. the king has been checkmated. Uh-huh. <laughs> checkmate. Uh, the vertical, but it's like a vertical video checkmating me from my landscape, so I actually have to go, checkmate. <laughs> Fine, you win. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, you win. Fine, you win. Uh, let's see. Anything else we should mention? People got to come see the shows here this weekend. Um, it's going to be fun, and mm -hmm. I guess we're, this, we're, we're almost releasing this live. Yes. We're doing this today. It's Friday. Uh-huh. Coming out Friday. Yeah, the shows are... 7 and 9.30, uh, Friday night and Saturday night here at Acme, Minneapolis, right next to the Mississippi River. Yes. And I, like I said, I was at the show Wednesday. I, like I'm doing this, recording this podcast, wiping away tears. I, you make me laugh so hard. Hey, that's very cool. Thank yes. you. Also, there's a little bit of sadness. <laughs> I bring up deep trauma. <laughs> and I was triggered. I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, I have a great, here, a great time here. It's a really great room. And I wasn't joking earlier when I was in the room by myself here uh, when we started. It's, there's, there's good sound in this room. Fantastic. Fantastic sound. Uh -huh. Great room tone. Yes. Don't miss out. If you've never been to Acme, come see it this weekend. Come for the venue. Don't come for the idiot on stage. <laughs> Come to experience this, this old mill, this old riverside mill, and this, the good wood that's in this building. <laughs> the chopping room, the cutting room, or whatever they would call this place. Yeah, uh, yeah who knows? Was it, was it plants or animals? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get back to you on that later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Check the stains. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been a good joker layer as well. Yes. Any kind of industrial mill makes a good <laughs> villain's layer as well. With the slow-moving... Uh, <laughs> some slow-moving equipment of some kind you can feed someone into. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to No Laugh Track Podcast, the show with a new comedian headliner every single week with me, the host, Justin Severson. The show is produced in the heart of Minneapolis' North Loop neighborhood at the legendary Acme Comedy Club. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, and watch the video version on our official No Laugh Track YouTube channel. Wherever you are enjoying the pod, remember, drop a like, leave a review, and please tell your friends about the show. And most importantly, come to Acme and see my show in person.